Um, so yeah, I'm excited uh, for things that God are do, is doing here at Vintage again across the nation. Again, if you have not, if you have not uh, heard, how many? This real quick. This is like, sorry, I can't see Mike over here. Um, Mike, there you go, bro. That's for you, man. So um, <clears throat> you want to see you? I preach better when I can see Mike Coyle. Uh, he never falls asleep in service. I'm just saying. So anyway, um, so in this this morning, um, yes. How many of you? This is. I'm not trying to like call you out or anything, but how many of you have not heard? Just you haven't been on social media. Haven't you have not heard what's going on at Asbury University and then universities across? Anybody not heard? Oh, this is really great. So I think all of you, some of you, are like I'm not raising my hand, but but most of you have, yeah. And so it's really cool. Randall and I and Mark Nicewander. We actually on Tuesday we had worked in the morning and then we left and went up to Asbury and it was just a really powerful time, right? I, hanging out with a bunch of Gen Zers and some professors and just people from all over the nation. I will say we pulled up. There were some adults that went into another chapel, Estes Chapel, and there was a guy there wearing a neon neon green cape. That was super special. I don't know what that meant, but I was like, oh my gosh, the neon green cape guy! Right as we drove by, I have no idea. What that. I guess the spirit moves better with a cape on. I don't know. I guess it does for him. So anyway, but it was super fun and really powerful there again we go into Hughes Chapel and a friend of ours are getting us pastors to get in and I mean just watching a group of Gen Zers like passionately wholeheartedly going after Jesus together and the reality was only like a third of them were Asbury students we had people from like I sat right next to a girl who was from City Church John Tyson in New York City and she had a whole group of people we had a whole group of a row in front of us from LifeGate Church in, in Omaha, Nebraska, right? There were people from Miami, Florida. There were people from all over, right, coming because they wanted what God had in this moment, and they were just passionate and hungry for Jesus. And people could even ask me, what was it like? I'm like, it was just like a 15-day, like it was 15 days of nonstop 24-hour worship and going after Jesus. And it's like these kids just super hungry. I said, and, and it's one of those things that, like, it wasn't the best worship. I mean, Let's just be honest with you. If you ever go online and watch any of it, some of them were really bad. It was hilarious, right? And God loved it. And the people just didn't care. These kids would get up there. I'm looking at Randall going, this is horrible. And they're totally engaged. Nobody cared. All they wanted to do was enjoy the joyful noise being made before the Lord, right? It was so powerful that they're just going after Jesus. And, and it was good, and we enjoyed it. But one of the things I realized, like, you know how, like, a second ago, you just heard that, like, underlying buzz that was happening, right? And you could have just listened to my voice, but it would have been there. I mean, if you ever been at your house sometime, and all of a sudden the house gets really quiet, and you realize there's, like, this underlying roar coming from your air conditioning unit, or maybe there's a car outside, or you can just hear this thing, and all of a sudden, once you hear it, you can't unhear it. It's all that you can hear. And that's what I realized was happening. It's like I could have totally missed what was going on with God because there was all this stuff on the outside. But as, I, as we slowed down, as we all of a sudden just kind of sunk into the God's presence, we realized there was this underlying current of God's presence. There was this palpable sense, a roar of his presence that we could have easily have missed. But it was so present. And it was what was carrying all of this hunger and passion for these students. It's what they were connecting to it wasn't demonstrative it wasn't massive signs and wonders it was just jesus rich and strong and real and powerful and we were incredibly blessed to be there and and on thursday night they had the national collegiate day of prayer it's the second hundred 200 anniversary of that day and basically 200 years ago every university in the united states of america 
agreed upon this day to be the day of collegiate prayer on every university in America. And so I don't know how many universities there were, but there were hundreds, I don't know, three, I forget how, I'm not going to throw out a number. You can go online and look at it, but it was just powerful as we went after Jesus together and just watching these Gen Zers go after Jesus. And and the idea that night was the leaders got up and said, all right, guys, we're going to end. We're, we're done, right? We're going we're gonna to end here. But the, this movement of God's not going to end. We're going to believe it's still going to happen for our students. But we want you now, and we commission you to go out to take this to your universities and to take it to your churches. And I'll just be honest with you. I said, and so, Lord, make us one of them. Make Vintage one of those places where your spirit is invited, where your spirit moves, and you come in power. And so that's what we're believing God for. Now, we are in a series, and I'm going to talk more about this as we go on, but we're in a series called uh, Jesus First. And, and it's super simple. I actually had somebody making fun of me, like, that's what you're going after. I'm like, yes, like, that's just uber simple. But I recognize in this season that there's something powerful about engaging the simple. Right, this idea of Jesus first, 40 days delving the spiritual disciplines, but this idea of 40 days of going after being a people who make Jesus first. We believe that God is calling each of us as individuals, calling us as the church as a whole to go after an intentional pursuit of keeping Jesus first in every area of life, meaning, meaning that he has priority in everything that you're doing, that he has preeminence in your life and that he is winner over everything else in your life that is clamoring for attention and trying to be lord over your life we said that there then are actions that we give ourselves to things that we undertake with our lives that that help us keep jesus first these are the spiritual disciplines or or what i've been calling jesus first arrows that we hold in our quiver And at any time we can take out one of these arrows, we can shoot it, and it will put us into the presence of God. And when we get into the presence of God, we are transformed, and it helps us to keep Jesus first in every area of our life. We looked at at reading Scripture. We talked about silence and solitude, practicing the presence of God and of worship. When he said each of these are equal. Like not one era, not one discipline is more important or better than the others. But we did say is that sometimes one discipline or one era maybe fits the need of the moment better. So when we were driving back, we were talking, Randall and Mark in the car, and I said, I just wonder for those who literally have not slept in three weeks. Listen, there was such, there were so many people that descended on Wilmore that that the governor basically almost deemed it, what, what do we call it, Mark? He said it was like a, a almost like a, do what? A disaster area, right? Because the infrastructure of Wilmore just couldn't handle it. It was almost like it was just a disaster area because so many people were there and they couldn't provide for them. There were, weren't enough bathrooms and toilets and all this kind of stuff, right? It was just overwhelming, right? And so there's this piece that they were just going 100 miles an hour. My friend Jessica Avery were like, what can we do for you? She's like, can can you just bring me dinner? I haven't eaten in days, right? Because there's just this piece of going and going and going and going. And I said to them, I just wonder in this season if the right arrow to shoot is of silence and solitude. Just being still and quiet before the Lord and allowing him to, to mend them, to heal them and to restore them. And actually just kind of speak into a reality in them of, of what he's just done over the last several weeks. Again, not one arrow is more important than the other, but some of them are more intentional, more purposeful in seasons of our life. And so with this in mind, 
the era that I want to look at this morning that I believe is being highlighted, uh, even honestly in this kind of this unique outpouring at Asbury University, is the arrow of, of, of invitation, the arrow of invitation. Now, all of us intuitively understand the idea of invitation. We invite people to our house. Why? Because we want to be with them. People invite us to their house to a party because they want to be with us. There's this beautiful relational aspect of invitation that we see that I make an invitation or someone else makes an invitation because we want to be in relationship together. And so in this it's, in, it's this invitation is a relational thing. It's beautiful because it means that we're seen, we're wanted, and we're loved. At the same time, not being invited can be painful. All of us probably have memories and stories of something that happened that maybe some of our friends were doing. We did not get the invite, and we knew how it felt. It was overwhelming. We felt massively rejected. We felt unwanted. We all of a sudden began to believe lies about ourselves because of how we were not invited to something. I've had moments literally where I felt that way, and then someone calls and says, Hey, hey are you coming? And I'm like, coming to what? Like, I didn't know what they were talking about. Like, you know... Remember last week we were at McDonald's or whatever it was, and I said, we're having this thing in my house, and I invited you to come. Where are you? I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, all of a sudden I go from pit of despair, right, up here to go, I am so loved and wanted. I am really popular, whatever it may be, right? We understand the power of not being invited, but we also understand the power of invitation, of being, invite, being invited. Invitation, it is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. And when I think about Scripture, I see a couple different types of invitation. A couple different types of invitation. First is Jesus' invitation to us, right? Jesus' invitation to us. And we'll look second at our invitation to Jesus. And really, that's the primary error that we get to yield. In the Scripture, New Testament, Old, that, there, that is full of moments of invitation of God to his people, inviting them, relationally desiring them. I think one of the primary ones we see is in Isaiah 55. You've probably read this scripture a million times. It's beautiful. God speaking, he says on the screen, you can follow along. Isaiah 55, just verses 1 and 2. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You see the invitation saying, come over. You're over there. I'm over here. I want you to come to me. It's an invitation, right? Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why are you spending money on what is not bread and your labor and what is not satisfied? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Now, this scripture is specifically an eternal invitation of salvation to all who are in need. That's the language of this. The language of an invitation of God that's eternal in nature. It's never ending. It wasn't just for the people who were, who were there in captivity. It was for all people throughout all generations. Uh, a prophetic statement to anyone who's hungry, anyone who's thirsty, anyone who's in need, anyone who cannot save themselves. It's an eternal, it's an eternal invitation to every single person to come and to receive from 
God. And so whether it's the first time you come for for salvation, the thousandth time you come as this kid who's in need, the invitation is always a standing invitation. And it's for any person who recognizes their need for God, their need for God to break in and bring salvation in a moment. We see the same language of Jesus in the New Testament in John 6, verse 35. It says, I am the bread of life. So again, he's just speaking about the sustenance of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and who believes in me will never be thirsty. I would encourage you moving forward in your scripture reading, always be aware of when the writers talk about hunger and thirst. This is always language related to what God satisfies and fills. There's always a great sense of need because all of us know the two greatest needs of sustenance in life, their food and their water. And they were always the greatest need, always the greatest desire. Literally last week, we went four hours in worship last week. It was really powerful watching God move, literally bringing healing to people, the gift of God's spirit were flowing in the lives of people. I got, I got testimony to testimony all week long of God doing something supernatural. God, this again, super neat, just watching God move, right? But let's just be honest, for those of you who are here, like I got hungry, literally like about one o'clock, right? I'm like, oh man, it'd be super nice to go out and eat right now. I'm really glad God's moving and all, but if I'm completely honest, I'm really hungry. Aaron's up there going, mm, I just want to eat something, man. I'm super hungry, right? It's like, like we're just all super hungry because the idea is our bodies have been made with the desire to eat. To You know, you can't go three days without water or you'll die, whatever it may be, right? There's this piece that, man, these are the sustenance of life. And so whenever you see that language, Jesus is naming, God is naming in the Old Testament, New Testament. Listen, there's this thing. Yes, you need it in the physical, but I want all of you to hear me. I want you to move from what you see as the physical and I want you to recognize that there is something spiritual that actually trumps everything else in your life. I am the one who meets the need on the inside that nothing ever touches. Or if it touches, it only touches it for a second and just makes you hungrier. I am the bread of life. In this chapter in John 6, Jesus had just met the physical needs of the people who were following in the feeding of the 5,000, probably 15,000 with women and children. And so they're continuing to follow him. And Jesus says, you're following me because I met your physical needs, right? They were hoping that Jesus would feed them again. But Jesus, again, here and what he wants to do for us, he wants to change their viewpoint. Again, up to this moment, these followers have been defined by their physical wants and their physical needs of what they wanted from Jesus. And it's understandable because Jesus had just met their physical needs and they want more. But Jesus, again, makes it clear their greatest need is not physical. Their greatest need is not physical, it is spiritual. He wants them to be awake to the deepest need, their spiritual need, and to hunger for Jesus like they hunger for food. Hear that again. He wants them, he wants us to be a people who hunger for Jesus in the same way that we hunger for our food. And in that hunger, Jesus promises to meet spiritual needs and to fill them Come. Those who are hungry, you will be filled. Come, those who are thirsty, and you will receive spiritual drink. 
This is what we witnessed over the past few days, again, in Wilmore, people responding to the invitation of Jesus to come and to be filled. We watched literally as thousands and hundreds of Gen Zers and adults with them flooded the altar in response to a call to repent of their sin and to be filled, to turn from the... So what is what repent of sin? There are things people give themselves to that give temporary satisfaction, but then leaves them even more hungry. That's the nature of what sin does. And he's saying, listen, I want you to give away the temporary fillings that you get, and I want you to be eternally filled by me. Would you come and do that? Would you turn from those things and turn to me? And literally, I was telling people, listen, if it's online, I mean, people watch this who were there, sorry, but the people who preached weren't very good. They weren't. In fact, the very first guy, the very first guy who ever who spoke there, who was kind of the, the beginning point, Tammy was really good. She spoke. Sorry, Tammy, you did great. But she was there on Friday. But, but this guy, Zach, and he literally got done. He walked off the stage, and he texted his wife, well, I just preached another stinker of a sermon. And he said, I, and he literally said, I went home, and I just took a nap because basically he was so disappointed. And all of a sudden he gets phone calls. There are hundreds of students going after Jesus after this, after you preach. And he put his clothes back on and went up and walked in and just saw people who said, I don't care how good the message is. I don't care how good the sermon is to get saved. I need Jesus. It's powerful. He wants to fill us. He wants to overwhelm people crying, literally people just worshiping, crying out to Jesus, wanting more. Listen, they're responding to an invitation of salvation, turning from their selfish life and surrendering to Jesus. I told the story on Instagram. I'm going to tell it here, the story of this young kid, third night we were there. So we go up and we were sitting in the balcony. It was really nice to be able to sit up there and just kind of watch everything going on, all the Gen Zers on the floor, just passionately going after Jesus. And I had this Gen Zers sitting next to me. He got there a little bit late, and he was a little bit engaged in worship, and he was kind of doing his thing, just kind of looking around, and then this guy, Zach, got back up and again gave this, like, again, this, this, this message of the goodness of God, the gospel, right? Gets up and just shares and says, all right, I want everyone to kneel and begin to pray, and if you're, and if you're kneeling, but you want to respond to this call, and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to walk away from sin, would you then stand up? And like, Randall starts, I'm not paying attention, or Randall's like elbow and you're like this i'm what you know how it is it's like and she's just like look and just like this is a kid next to me i'm like oh okay and so we just start to pray we start praying for this kid and so they like they lead him in a prayer and they said all right on three let's begin to celebrate all of these new all of these kids of god coming into the kingdom and like one two three and like a massive crescendo like only you would hear the georgia bulldog game when they win the national championship for the second time in two years that happened it happens. Sorry, Georgia Tech. I see you, right? Now, my, my daughter's there, so we're all good. Now, got a lot of money going there. Now, here's the point. I sat there just overwhelmed by their celebration of my, this kid standing next to me, giving his life to Jesus. And so they said, hey, we have prayer teams down here. We would love for every single person who stood to come down to the front. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to introduce you more clearly to our best friend, Jesus. And so we'd ask that you'd make your way down so we can meet you, so we can then follow up with you. And so my, 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 this little boy didn't go down, right? And so I 
just put my hand on his back. I said, hey, man, I saw you stand up. I know it's a long way down there, but, but if you want to walk down there, bro, I'll go with you. I'll walk down there with you. I will stay with you until you're done, and then I will walk you back to your seat. Do you want to go? Now, he's from Eastern Kentucky. He goes, man, I want to go, right? <laughs> I'm like, this you do, man. So he walked walking down and said, what's your name? He said, my name's Jack. And I'm like, we just drove over here four hours just to come to this thing. My mom's sitting outside in the car just waiting on me. And I'm like, bro, I am so glad that you're here. So we go down, and we get to the altar. There's a bunch of people. And it was like this, I mean, I, I can't, I'm not going to, I don't over-dramatize it, but it was like, kind of like from here to where Pat is, right here, Pat and Joni, they're to my right, and I look, and this guy just goes like this, and goes like this, right? I'm like, okay, perfect, right? So we walk over to this guy, and Jack leans in, and I'm kind of, I'm just standing there, and I'm kind of realizing I'm in the way, so I kind of get closer, and I put my hand on his back, and then I was like, I'm just going to sit down, it's like this guy has it. So I didn't realize later, this is Jason. Jason is the lead pastor at GCF Vineyard. GCF was the church that, that Mark and Kathy planted years ago in Wilmore, so super cool to be there and watch that, right? And so so they're there, and Jason's praying for him. I trust Jason. I'm talking to my buddy Greg, and I mean, Jack just starts weeping, I mean, weeping on Jason's shoulder, just weeping uncontrollably as they're singing, all hail King Jesus. And I'm like, yes, all hail King Jesus. This is amazing, right? So when they go, I don't know, like between five and 20 minutes, I have no idea. Just a Kairos moment right there in the moment, right? And, and Jack is just getting moved on by God. Whatever stuff is breaking off of Jack, right? Sin's falling away, right? And he's just sitting there weeping and weeping and weeping. So, we, so finally he gets done. I say finally. It was this beautiful moment. He gets done, and they stand up, and they hug. And then, and then Jason's wife, I forget her name, because oh, I'll give you a hug too. So they hug, and she just says, you're so great. Starts encouraging him, like being that parent that he needed in the moment. And then he turns around and sees me, and he goes, man, if you hadn't brought me down here, I never would have come. Can I give you? a hug and i'm like yes right and we hug there in the moment jack sorry if you're watching i just that's your accent bro so anyway like it was just this powerful moment and we walked back up and he just began to worship and all i could do is think say god you did you and you got you let me get to be a part of it as a parent in the moment and i am so thankful he responded to the invitation to come and to eat and to drink of the Lord. And Jack was filled with the richest affair, and he was satisfied. The second invitation is the arrow that we get to pull from our quiver. It is our invitation to Jesus. It's our invitation to Jesus to come. Now, I will say, just a little secret, we only invite Jesus to come because he is prodding us by his grace to ask us to cut them, invite him to come, right? He's moving us. But there is still the response that we then invite him to come. A very familiar scripture, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. You can put it on the screen for me. Sorry, I'm a little bit sick this morning, so I'm trying to keep my throat dry. I'm trying to keep my throat um, able to speak. It says, those, so Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. The church is neither hot nor cold, right? It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, right? The parent coming to correct and discipline. So he says, so be earnest, be intentional, and then turn from what you're doing, right? And he says in verse 20, this is really interesting. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone 
hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in and I will eat with that person. See that language of eating again? And they will eat with me. Don't you see that? I love this picture here because, again, it's the, it's the idea that Jesus is moving. Like Jesus is always wooing. Jesus is always just his provenient grace. He's always working in advance to lead us to himself. We can't, we can't do anything but respond to him. But the reality is he, he didn't say, stand at the door and knock and then walk in. He waits for the invitation to open the door. That's what it is, right? If someone comes to your door that you don't want to talk to, what do you do? You, like, fall on the ground and don't breathe like so they can hear you or something, and you wait until they leave and they don't come in. But you know what it is. If you walk over and you do this, you go to the door and you pull and you walk back, what does that mean? It's the invitation to come on in. And that's what Jesus is saying. Yes, I'm knocking. I'm wooing. I am this this undercurrent that's always flowing, that's always inviting and always calling, but I'm looking for you to invite me. I'm looking for you to respond and to say, hey, let me open my door. Let me open the door so that you can come in. That's the invitation. That's this arrow that we get to shoot. I love Jesus here is talking to the church at Laodicea. They're a church neither hot nor cold. Their wealth had made them self-reliant. I'm assuming they were naming Jesus with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. They were lukewarm, like, like Jesus looking, but their head was in, but not their heart, whatever it may be, right? And he is calling them, saying, just return, repent, right? I'm inviting you in, I'm inviting you, open the door and let me come in. Jesus says he is knocking, but it's their responsibility, their responsibility to open the door as an active invitation. Our hunger and thirst, our hunger and thirst for Jesus, it is an invitation for him to move. That's what I saw with all these kids. There was just a hunger. To be honest with you, that's what I saw last Sunday. There was a hunger among our people for a move and for more of Jesus. I believe that Jesus was, well, you, you, you're hungry and thirsty. It's responding to me. It's an invitation. I'll come. You want me to come? I'll come, right? I love this. I love this picture. I, just, I sense this hunger the entire time in Wilmore, talking to leaders, professors, students. They were marked by hunger. You could see in their faces. They would sing the song, All Hail King Jesus. And it was like a rant, an anthem. They would ramp up, and there was just people falling on their faces, people just worshiping before the Lord. I'm like, God, you're responding to their hunger. You're responding to their desire. God, they heard you knocking, and they entered the door, opened the door. You entered in there now and worshiped their Christ. Crying out loud, they're acknowledging you as Lord. They didn't care about themselves or anyone around them. They would sing, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Like they sing it. It wasn't a half-hearted attempt. It wasn't lukewarm. Jesus, we just want you, nothing else will do. Powerful. Tammy and I were talking last week. I will give her credit for this quote. But we were talking, and she said something that we both thought was so true and so profound. She said, listen, she goes, the hunger, the hunger really is the revival. The hunger really is the revival. 
This desire of hearts to hunger for more of Jesus, to recognize they cannot satisfy themselves, that only eating of Jesus and drinking of Jesus will ultimately gratify and satisfy for eternity the greatest longing of their heart. And as A.W. Tozer once said, he said, the great paradox of Christianity is the more you drink of Jesus, the more thirsty you become for him every single day. That's why he says every single day, come and eat, come and drink. Don't just come for a thousand times. Come every day and receive of the richest affair. Live hungry. Shoot the arrow. This undercurrent is always flowing. Tap into it and shoot the arrow. When you do, I will meet you. I'm always knocking. Shoot the arrow of invitation. So even this morning, I just said, come, Lord Jesus. Whatever you want to do, come, Lord Jesus. In our seasons of dryness, seasons of distance from God, maybe even seasons of being hungry, we're able to pull out this air of invitation and invite Jesus. He is always an undercurrent drawing us to, his, to himself, that we can shoot the air and put ourselves into his presence at all time. I want to end with this scripture, and we'll get into a time of ministry and worship. It's Revelation 22, verse 17, and I'm going to talk about some things we're going to do this morning. Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. It honestly paints a picture of both of these invitations. This is the last chapter in all of the Bible. 17 is about, I don't know, 10 verses till the end. But it's really powerful. I'm going to kind of walk through this. It says, the spirit, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. So John has just talked about the great an awful and beautiful day of the coming of the Lord. He's talking about what it's going to look like in the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus, where he comes for his children. And he comes, and, and this is the only time in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit actually prays. Holy Spirit prays and says, Come, come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit, and then the bride, who's all of us, all the church, the believers, we say, No, Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. We need you. And then it comes back to the individual says, let the one who hears, who hears the wooing, who hears the calling, is aware of the undercurrent. They say, and you come, Lord Jesus. So it's the Holy Spirit cries out for Jesus to come. He then, the church cries out for Jesus to come. And then the individual cries out for Jesus to come. But then look what John leads us to. He says, and then let the one who is thirsty come. It's the invitation. It's the it's Isaiah 55. It's the, I am the bread of life. Come to me, all who are hungry and thirsty, right? It's the Revelation 3. If you just enter the, if you open the door, I'll enter in, right? The one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Let the one who wishes, right? The one who wishes and who longs for Jesus to come, take the gift of the water of life. We see this dual invitation this morning. And here's what I want to do. So thank you for our ministry teams who came forward. Again, I just want you to be aware. I'm in a season. I believe that God wants to do a lot of ministry and a lot of breakthrough, a lot of healing and restoration. I believe there are people here today who do not know Jesus. I believe as I was speaking about coming to, to the altar and coming to that moment of being filled, I believe there's people here today who do not know Jesus. I think some of you are sitting up there going, oh my God, I know he's talking about me, but I ain't going up there, right? The undercurrent, I'm asking you to slow down and recognize the undercurrent is so loud that Jesus has been wooing you your entire life saying nothing else satisfies but me. Get rid of all of that stuff and just turn your life 
over and watch what I will do. And there are those today who say, I need to say, come, Lord Jesus. I need to respond. I've been coming a thousand times. I, mean, I, gotta, I, just, I want to ask him to come again. I want to say, come, Lord Jesus, move. Do what you do in power. God, I want to see. I want you to do what you do. I want you to break loose. God, I want to see Jesus. Listen, hear me say, we're not praying for revival. We're praying for more of Jesus, knowing he will revive. We're always the people about Jesus. Jesus never, ever, ever lets us down, right? He is good and he's kind. We want more of Jesus and believing he wants to revive. And so, Holy Spirit, today, we invite you to come. We invite you to say, come, Lord Jesus, as you pray right here in Revelation. And we know, Jesus, your desire is to meet your people and to move. Father, we come confidently. We come confidently knowing that you are God. You love us. You have called us by name. Lord, we are your children and you love us. You smile over us as a perfect parent and a loving Lord. Thank you that the spirit of rejection, which is rampant in this culture, I think it's the number one spiritual attack upon this generation, spirit of rejection. We see you. And you cannot stand in Jesus' presence because he died to conquer you. And so, Father, we say, come. And would you stir healing, salvation, and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Just stay in a place of worship. If today you were one of those who, who said, Steve, you were talking to me about responding to the invitation And I've never responded to Jesus. I've never said yes to him. I've never turned from my sin. I've lived for myself. And you're right. It's just not satisfying me. I want you to know right now there are people across this room praying for you. If you're not praying for these people to start praying. God's undercurrent has been moving your entire life. You just didn't realize it was him. And today he slowed you down. You say, see, I'm right here moving. If you'll just open the door because I'm knocking. And all he says is, you have to believe. You have to believe that I am who I say I am. And I need you to turn over all of the sin in your life and choose to walk away from it and I will empower you to do it. So if that is you today, would you just, we don't normally do this, but would you just lift your hand where you are right now? If that is you this morning. You want to respond to the Lord. Father, I'm asking right now that you would move strongly, that you would knock so loud today, you would make it ever clear for those today whom you were wooing to yourself, you were for them, you're not against them, you're not afraid of what they've done, you're not afraid of what they've said, you already know it all. So Holy Spirit, come that is you today, you're not raised your hand, but you want to do that, come find me later. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. 
Yeah, we're going to take a time of ministry. So at any point in time, if you need to go, there is freedom in the house. All right. We have offering baskets available every single Sunday. It's an act of worship. And we just ask that you would give faithfully as the Lord leads. Communion's available on both sides. As we go into this time of ministry, to take communion to remember and receive just the power of what the 